0: This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. On the show, you'll hear from leading Australian business owners as they share the lessons they've learned building their companies. You'll learn from their successes as well as some of the challenges they faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialized techniques you can use to improve your business. I'm your host, Savan Tuna, and I'm a director at Alexander Spencer, and I'm really passionate about helping Australian businesses succeed. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a professional athlete, and how it's like post-athletic career? Transitioning from being an athlete to becoming a business owner is a significant change, but if you really think about it, they may not be as dissimilar as you may think. There is actually a lot we can learn. In today's episode we'll be joined by Patrick Karnitsis, a former AFL athlete turned business owner. Patrick is a general manager for Alpha Facilities Group, an integrated cleaning, property maintenance and traffic management service provider. Patrick will take us through the journey of an AFL player, sharing what inspired him to pursue a career in professional sports, and his experiences from his early days in the league to career highlights. You'll discover how resilience, teamwork and leadership are relevant in sports and also how important they are for a successful business. Patrick will discuss the importance of creating strong relationships and building solid, sustainable partnerships as he shares some strategies implemented in their business inspired by his time as an AFL player. Let's dive in. Well, Patrick, thank you for joining me on The Bottom Line today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, for those that don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit of a
1: background? So, Patrick Carnezes, 31 years old, former professional athlete, Brisbane Lions, 21 games, four games for Collingwood Football Club, pick 25 and 25 AFL goals.
0: Wow. That's all cool. And um, you didn't get to play too many games, but you kicked a lot of goals. So what position did you play?
1: So I was drafted as a forward, transitioned to a midfield role throughout my career. But typically as a, as a junior footballer, I was I had announced to cause a bit of chaos around goal at times. But being the height that I was at such a young age, could transition into the, the back line, ruck. But predominantly as I transitioned to AFL, it was a forward.
0: So take us through your journey as a kid. You obviously made it. Not everyone does. It's it's an amazing achievement. But what was it like? What was your passion like? When did you know you were good enough to make it? Take our listeners through a little bit of that. Patrick in his
1: early kid stages and what it was like to then eventually get drafted. I guess as a young kid, fanatical Collingwood supporter, which we were talking just previously about it, my father, huge AFL fan from a Greek background. You'd think we would be more into to soccer at the time, but he loved his AFL. So as a junior kid, kick, junior football, transitioned again into under-13s, under-14s. And as a young child, really loved the game, obsessed with Collingwood Football Club, the likes of Anthony Rocker, Nathan Buckley, Paul Akiria, which is quite surreal now, having personal relationships with them one way or the other, exiting the game. But it was an interesting journey. As far as my passion, I guess, for the game, it was quite high as a kid. I think at different times when I was 15, 16, I was probably a bit more removed from the game at times because I was in an environment at high school where a lot of my personal friends and personal relationships were more into soccer. And I found a challenge at that time, wanting to continue to play football. But also wanting to play soccer and engage in that sport with a lot of my friends. But dad sort of kept me on the path of playing AFL, playing football, went through the journey of TAC Cup, so Oakley Chargers, under 16s Vic Metro, under 18s Vic Metro. So followed the typical procedure of getting drafted, and in 2010, picked 25 first round to brisbane lions so that was their first round pick that was their second round that first. was their second pick in the first round oh, okay. they had picked so it was pick one to 25 because that was the gold coast draft so jared pollock i believe was pick four pick five and i was pick 25 which was the last pick of the first round. first round so that was the first round pick one to pick 25 did you know you're going to go to brisbane
0: had they interviewed you who were the ones that showed interest
1: This was a real interesting process because you go through the entire year meeting different clubs, clubs coming to your house, meeting your parents, having conversations. (laughs) So
0: (laughs) having some Greek coffee. (laughs) Yeah. So as as you
1: would know, being from a European background, I think the biggest concern for myself and my family was moving into state. And that was a real scary thing at the time. And I think a lot of the conversations internally between the family was – How can I go interstate? Like, that's just not going to work. I didn't even go to school camps at times, like (laughs) respectfully towards the European culture. But I was, at the time, a bit of a mummy's boy. It's interesting because even when the clubs were coming around, I was quite amazed that Brisbane Lions ended up picking me up at pick 25. I think they had examples of Lukey Power, who was a Melbourne boy, and – That obviously worked with him, other players interstate, because a lot of players that are drafted to Brisbane Lions come from other states. So they've got some great successful stories. But to be honest, it was actually Sydney Swans of Pick 21 that I had a lot of conversations with. Kinnear Beetson, who I believe is still there right now as one of the recruiters. And we had multiple conversations and discussions. I actually believed he called me the night before, be ready. Get your things ready. You're coming to Sydney. We caught up the week before. And my old man and my brother's a Sydney Swan supporter. That, I did. I recently found yeah. out about that. So, the old South <laughs> Melbourne. The old South. And then what happened was we had time to sort of take that all in, digest it all. Mum was a bit feeling a bit more comfortable because it's only an hour flight, a bit more cultured as well if you think about it, Sydney, Melbourne. And I sort of fixated myself on, okay, I'm going to Sydney, going to Swan's. It's going to be an interesting journey. It's going to be tough. But once you sort of accept it, I had a couple of weeks to, you know, take it all in. You know, and then we're watching the draft and pick 20 goes, can't remember who it was, pick 21 waiting, played a cult, uh Jed Lamb.
0: Oh, wow. Jed Lamb,
1: yes. And then I believe he went to Carlton or somewhere else in between. But pick 21 went, I'm thinking, gosh. It could be anyone. It could be anyone. And I think there was there were a couple of Victorian clubs with three picks to go, obviously, in that first round. Fingers crossed. I was praying at the time. I'm like, now I can stay home. And I reckon I had one conversation with Brisbane Lions throughout the whole year. Pick 25, they call out Patrick Carnes Oakley Chargers and I'm just sitting there staring at the screen. I'm like, what, what? the hell is going on? <laughs> My mum burst into tears. Happy tears? I think they were distraught tears. <laughs> I think they were just, she ran into her room. My old man jumps up celebrating, full of joy, full of happiness. I'm just mixed emotions because I don't even know what's going on.
0: Did they have a camera crew or was that not – No. So
1: the way it worked is 1 to 25 first round but 1 to 10 was at the draft. Oh, yeah. So 1 to 10 were at the draft. This was a Thursday night and then phone calls, incoming phone calls, coaches, captains, you know, all my family start coming around, friends start coming around. And pretty much the next morning head recruiter – they go through all the documentation, go through everything. And then I'm out Sunday morning. Is it packed your bags? Packed bags. On a plane. On a plane, ready to go. And I remember Saturday night, the night before, I was in tears on the couch with my old man. I was like, I'm not going. I actually refused to go. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I want to stay home. I'm comfortable where I am. I'll go to uni. I'll just <laughs> I'll just
0: I'll go to uni. I'll go
1: to uni. I'll get I'll live just. The normal life of an 18-year-old kid just finishing school in my circle in eastern suburbs of Melbourne. And he was like, it's okay, it's gonna work out, just we'll work through it. At the time, like it was it was it was pretty scary. Really scary. Now, in hindsight, you are looking at a two hour flight to another state, like obviously maturity and yeah. How old were you? Are seventeen? Just turned 18. So it was just a whirlwind at the time. And and like I said, I was just full of different emotions. And then, yeah, and then pretty much landed. We had all the conversations of going in with the host family and and this and that. I refused to go in with the host family. Mm. I just didn't feel right, didn't feel comfortable. So I ended up moving in with Xavier Clark, ex-St. Kilda player, who now is an assistant coach at Richmond Football Club. And to summarise that experience, it was phenomenal. He's someone that's, you know, a whole quite close to me in terms of friendship and what he did for me in that first year. And obviously, Indigenous background, very similar values in terms of culture, connection, very tight-knit with his family. And it just clicked. It just worked. I think that was part of the reason why I probably had a successful first year. I ended up playing half a season in my first year, really enjoyed my time with him. And then obviously, he, he moved on after the first year and the experience sort of altered from there. But three years in Brisbane was Such an incredible experience. There were probably more lows than highs. But what I do take away from the experience is just the character building, the the resilience, little things, gaining independence, cooking, cleaning, turning dishwasher on, like little basic living skills that probably people or kids from my background, your background, you don't probably – learn those until you're probably moving out 27, 28. So that's what I think fast-tracked and advanced my development personally, where, like I said, there were more lows than highs, but I take a lot of things away that have shaped me into the person I am today.
0: So what made you, obviously there were some lows and we don't need to go into the detail of that. But then you did move on from Brisbane. You got drafted or traded to Collingwood. So what happened? Were you injured a lot? What were you struggling to get in the team? Did you need to come home? Were you homesick? What? Because I don't know the background. What, yeah. what happened there?
1: Like I said, the reality was leaving home was the problem. Like anything, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, business, family, relationships. If you're not fully invested into something emotionally, mentally, I think you're a step behind and I think having gone to Brisbane Lions and into another state, already your mind's elsewhere, already your heart's not fully into what you're doing and and all the little things, training every day, rocking up the gym session. Like I already had set my sights on coming back to home.
0: Did you have a three-year contract?
1: Yeah, so getting drafted, you have the standard two-year contract. But myself and Jared signed a third-year contract as soon as we got drafted because we had the same manager. My old man and I looked at it as in, okay, we'll sign the additional third year. There was actually no thought of me playing a, a senior game in my first year. Like, I just wrote that off. I thought, we'll go to the club, go to a new state, get my body right, focus on adjusting, adapting to the lifestyle. So there was no expectation whatsoever. Coincidentally, it just happened to occur because Brisbane Lions at the time wasn't a great club. And that's been as truthful as possible. It's great to see them doing some fantastic work now. But it was a really ordinary club. And I think they were going through, you know, a number of different things. But the opportunity just came when players were going down. And by round 13, I just got chucked into the team. And that's just based on because there was no one really else available. But I always wanted to come back home. And I think not knowing what it was going to be like. I tried to get out in my first year at the end of the first year. Tried to get out at the end of my second year. So what I think it broke some form of trust between the club and myself and I think emotions got the better of all of us, my old man, myself, my family, and I wasn't able to be professional and understand that there is a business side to it as well. And, you know, that's – I remember at the time my manager was trying to explain to me, focus on what you need to do, leverage the opportunity, play games, build as much – Wait as you can in terms of your profile, and then we can make moves. But we're all emotional creatures. Mm. Being Greeks probably the, <laughs> the reason why. So Add, adds a bit of an extra emotion. Yeah. Though. So what? And that, and that's essentially what happened. And timing's a thing. Personnel. Yeah. And there were some really tough conversations at the time. Difficult conversations with coaches and management of the club, and it became a situation where I just had to sit out really and wait until. I can actually go, move on. To this day, I hold some great relationships and friendships with players and even staff. But as soon as the season finished in my third year, I think I was on a plane that night. It actually took me like two hours to get out of there. Now, it was a tough time. And when you're playing senior footy, that tends to make it a bit easier, the feeling, it numbs the feeling a bit because obviously you're playing senior football, you're getting the accolades, you're getting recognised, acknowledged. But when you're playing in Broadbeach, Niefel on a Saturday, continuously, like it gets tough. And that's where the synergies between just life in general and building your character, doing things that you don't like, but knowing that you have to do it. It builds character, builds resilience, and you develop as a person, so... It was a a really challenging process, I guess, those three years. Now looking at it, a good one as well.
0: Before we go on to the experiences and moving on from AFL into your corporate and business world, I just got to ask you a question. You're a Collingwood supporter. You ended up at Collingwood. You played a handful of games. You got plenty of goals. What was the playing like? What, what was the biggest crowd you played? What were some of the games you played at Collingwood? What was your first goal like? Being a kid that barrack for the club, very quickly, paint us the picture of that world very – that would have been really exciting.
1: It was. It was surreal. It was crazy. I got to the club, so, so traded from Brisbane to Collingwood. It's crazy how that turns back around again. I finished from Brisbane coming home. I think the trade period's like two, three weeks. And I said to my old man and my manager, I'll just call it. For three years, so you could probably start to sense the direction and, and just the overall investment into the game. And I think un- like as an underlying emotion, when your head's not fully into what you're trying to achieve, like I said before, there can be some real challenges. It's like an uphill battle. But I said, if no one wants, to, you know, no one's keen to pick me up or whatever it is. We'll just move on to the next journey. It was a small chapter in my life, whatever it is. But I actually had a good relationship with uh, Derry Kine, who is still the recruiter at I believe. He came and watched me a fair bit at – because I went to Marcellin College. Came and watched a a lot of me at at high school, football. And we always remained in contact and then always actually kept in touch even when I was in Brisbane. I I remember he always said, when the time comes – we'll make sure to see if we can facilitate something. But that year when I got drafted, I think they had pick 45 or something, which was Alex Fasolo, that draft. So anyway, the trade period occurred and I got in, yeah, I think it was the last day of the trade. It happened, great news, playing for Collingwood Football Club. There was a couple of other clubs at the time, North Melbourne, Carlton and St Kilda, but I was drawn and attracted to the Pies. So the first year when I got to the club, I was essentially out for – maybe 15 games of the full season. So I played about five, six VFL games the back end of the year because I had some bad groin problems, had osteitis pubis, so that that caused a bit of chaos in the body. So it was all really just getting to the club, adjusting. And I remember the conversations with Derek and the club was, this is a long-term thing. It's not about coming into the club and playing games. Like, let's slowly adjust, adapt, get your body right because you're coming from a fair way back. We had discussions around sort of moving into the midfield and sort of expanding my game. But the first year, yeah, it was, again, tough because I was just walking laps for pretty much most of the season, which was difficult. But had a really good preseason. The second year got really fit, probably the fittest I would actually got. Built my body strong, played, yeah, the first couple of games there. Had some really good games. But I think for me the, the hardest task was the sub rule. So when I entered the the system the sub rule commenced and when I exited the system the sub rule had exited so out of 25 games I think I might have been sub nearly like 16 games and it's really hard like coming on as a sub you're probably like you're on the border of not playing playing you come on you know you got to make an impact the best you can do is if you're winning, the the team's winning. You come on, you kick a goal, have a few touches. Like, there's not much you can really do in that one quarter, you know, if no one gets injured. But I think I was sub probably maybe 15, 16 times out of all my games. So, but our Collingwood then ended up having a really good preseason. Played four or five games for the season, up and down, sub pretty much all of the games as well. But all of those games, I came on and, and kicked a goal. But the feeling of just kicking a goal, you know, in front of, I think it was it was St Kilda, I believe. My first game for Collingwood came on as a sub in the last quarter. Such a great feeling. Like it's, it's all a blur, but just your loved ones just being around at the time, supporting. It's a really special feeling and something like you'll never forget.
0: So then your post AFL career, you got into corporate world. So you, you got a marketing background, you did some marketing. Tell us about your journey post AFL and then we've got to talk about your current family yes. business and, and what your role is there and what we can learn from an athlete that's been so in the system.
1: So I think throughout the whole journey, we come, well my, you know, I come from a family where education is really important and it's not something like to measure your success, but as you know, old fashioned type parents, old school parents, really important. Finishing your education, gaining some form of degree or certificate to st- Tell their cousins and friends that <laughs> <laughs> they've got a degree, which, you know, you understand. But that was a really big thing from my end, from my parents. And I think, which is quite prominent now in the AFL industry around balancing your football career, but understanding it doesn't last forever either. And that's what I think players these days are really good at and clubs are a lot better at in terms of supporting players because not everyone plays for 10, 15 years. I think the average you know, career could be four to five years so being prepared once that time happens or for whatever situation that you're in a really strong position to continue on your professional career in terms of whatever that looks like but I think luckily for me or thankfully I was I really actually focused on um, connecting with really good people within the industry and I think that was advised by a lot of people at the time probably more so when I came back Melbourne playing for Collingwood to just connect with people, build a network because you get so many opportunities in the industry. Like you're meeting CEOs of companies because they're sponsoring the club, you're meeting GMs of this and that. So, you know, I really focused on because the reality is, I think halfway through my second year at Collingwood, I'd made the decision at that time to call it quits. So I sat, you know, in the office with Bucks at the time and I said, That's it, it's not for me. This journey stops here. And he was great. You know, we had a really good conversation. So I finished out the season and then, like I said, connected with some really good people and I ended up moving into AFL head office, so AFL corporate. And it, it was like essentially just pressing the reset button, like basic, basic skills in terms of being in a working environment, sending emails, taking minutes. Like it's all new. That's what it's like. It's all new. Meetings. So Ended up working at the AFL for a few years, really sort of developed my skill set. What was your role? It was actually in the diversity team. So working closely with indigenous programs, multicultural programs, it was a really good opportunity to actually sort of work and and make an impact and, and make a difference at the time. So I did that for a couple of years. Gained a lot of knowledge, you know, especially, in a, you know, such a large corporation like the AFL, you, you know, you're meeting high-level executives and I'll give you the example shortly but it's amazing how fast forward 10 years, how you reconnect with people that you look at at the time and they're in, you know, high positions and it's amazing. So did that for a few years. Like I said, really focused on just getting my mind right, building my network, building my knowledge. Then I ended up pivoting to non-for-profit organisation called Ladder, which was still connected with the AFL. So it was the it was the AFL and AFL Players Association number one charity, oh. Youth Homelessness. So the opportunity uh, came about and, again, it was a different type of landscape in terms of the work, still connected with the sport and clubs. So I was doing a lot of work with players and clubs. But such a great eye-opener, like Youth Homelessness in itself is – an issue amongst other things that we experience, you know, in, in society today. But it was, um, again, mainly around working with football clubs, sponsors. It was actually a really positive experience. So I was there for a couple of years. Then I think for me it was about at the time I, I realized and throughout that period understanding what is my passion, what do I actually really enjoy, what is it that I actually really want to do. And what I found most joy was partnerships, relationships, management of people, sponsorship. So not a sales background in a way, like in a sense, like sales is a very different line of work when you think about partnerships, relationships, like it was more so about if you're managing a client or a sponsor, they're paying for whatever it is, they've got their list of benefits. You want to make sure that they're provided what they're paying for. So I then ended up working at Melbourne United, the NBL. So I actually ran their United in Business program which is very similar to Carlton in Business, Victory in Business where a bunch of businesses, small, medium, large, join the network and everyone's leveraging each other's business, supporting one another, gaining actual business outcomes and so I think at the time moving to Melbourne United was a really good opportunity because I don't think with my experience you'd get that opportunity at an AFL club or a Melbourne Victory or so so at the time, it was a really good chance to, again, build my network away from the football industry, not the same type of people and, and sponsors and, and clients that you deal with. So, and actually exposed me to more so small businesses as well, like accounting firms, law firms. Very different to just seeing the standard tier one sponsors on an AFL uh, website or whatever it is. So, That was great in itself, you know, hosting events, organizing guest speakers, being at the Melbourne United basketball games and had a lot of fun. So it was fantastic for myself, again, to develop just another layer of work. And then I think it would have just been before COVID, probably four or five weeks before COVID, Alpha Facilities Group, which is family-owned business. So my old man started the business back in 2005. I then transitioned to Alpha Facilities Group and COVID essentially hit four weeks, you know, later since I started. So that's sort of the journey of transitioning from football to corporate, different experiences and now,
0: you know. Now business, you got the phone call from dad, not from the AFL coaches and the recruiters. (laughs) You got the call
1: from dad to join Alpha
0: Facilities Group. Obviously, you've had now experiences in both corporate life, AFL, professional athletics, you know, very structured and now small business what would you say, what would be your advice to business owners from a professional athletic background? What can business owners learn or do from that AFL environment that can actually leverage their businesses and be successful? What, what does the AFL industry or the athletes do that you go, geez, those business owners, if they just did a little bit like what, the, what we did in the AFL, whether it's training or whatnot? They'd just be better. What well, did you yeah, see? Yeah, definitely.
1: That? I think there's many synergies between sport and business, like plenty. And I think, from my perspective, myself and my brother Lee, as the two business owners that drive the business on a daily basis, the biggest takeaway from sport, and I've sort of linked to you know our everyday life from a business perspective, is I think management of people and creating an environment for your staff and like I said, you, you, you link that to sporting teams and different line coaches, head coach, trying to get the best out of every player and approach every player differently based on their personality and the way they respond. And it's no different to staff in a business sense. Like it's very similar. And we work in a really fast-paced industry. So you know, we've got a cleaning arm commercial cleaning, retail cleaning, or different types of cleaning. Then we've got a traffic arm as well. So it's very labor intense, like it's a labor industry where a lot of the time you can't control what happens on site. You can't control people and, and behaviors. But what you can control is the training. What you can control is the information that you send or you pass on. So it's being able to really manage your staff in an environment where everyone's got their own personal things they deal with, their own family issues. But How can everyone, I guess, rock up on a Monday to Friday every day and give everything they have and be focused and be able to sort of ride the highs and the lows? And in our business, I think the fact that Lee and I are very different in terms of our personality. So it works because we balance one another. But like I said, it's a no-brainer. Like people and management of people and building relationships is the most important thing. To our business and that being internal staff, that being partners, that's clients as well. Now, you know, we've got a lot of partners and clients of ours that you can win their work or you can look to work together, but it's not about just doing the work or partnering up for the next 12 months. Like, you want those long term relationships where you can be on the ride and the journey together. But what we've realized and the really, really strong partnerships is that when shit hits the fan, you want to be able to connect with one another, sit in a round table type environment put it all out on the table, figure it out, sort it out, take ownership and move on. That's sort of the model and that family ethos that we have around, it actually is about relationships. It actually is about working together because if you win, I win, we both succeed. So that's from a client side of things. But, yeah, like I said, the synergies, it is definitely about relationships and staff and management. And and that's making sure that our staff – Rock up every day, feeling good, feeling comfortable, feeling happy in what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and it's good for everyone. If they're successful, it, it obviously relates, creates great results and they can get promoted, earn more money, That's right. everyone's doing well. That's right. So, so resilience and determination are often traits associated with athletes. You're obviously quite resilient in the short-term career that you had. How can business leaders cultivate these qualities to navigate company challenges and setbacks?
1: I think being unified as a leadership group or management, so to speak, and, and again, connecting back to sport, you've got your coaches, you've got your leadership group, and a lot of that information funnels down to the playing group. You've got to be unified and you've got to be connected in terms of the direction and the message as well. And I think if someone plays outside of that type of message or what you're trying to portray to the team or all the business, it can throw things a bit out of whack. So as an example for us, making sure that Lee and I are on the same page, we understand what our goal is, what our long-term plan is, the strategies around what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve. We know that our business and our staff understand that what makes us go and what makes us successful is our management is going to be better than the next company's management. Because the reality is like traffic management, cleaning, not much quality is going to differ between the next company in terms of who they have on site or who's cleaning the joint or the person holding the, the traffic equipment. Not much is going to differ. But what we can guarantee is that you're going to feel comfortable dealing with our management and they're going to be accessible 24-7 and they're going to be able to resolve any type of issues. So I think, like I said, being on the same page, being understanding of what we're trying to achieve, but also having staff across that as well, not keeping them in the dark. And I think we've made an adjustment around exposing our staff to certain things around what we're trying to achieve and where we're trying to go. It gives them clarity around, you know, the path that we're taking. So it's very similar to the sporting environment, you know, from personal experience as a player. If you're feeling comfortable and known. Okay, this is what I need to do. Okay, oh, maybe I've got a run of three, four games to do something or, or, or play at that level. You feel comfortable. You, you feel a bit more at ease. So you just go back to coaches are coaches, but managers are a bit different in terms of you're not there to teach a player how to kick a ball. Like if you're on an AFL list, you're there because you can play football. That's the reality. Now, how does a, a coach get the best out of 44 players? It's going to be hard. There's going to be some disgruntled players because you can only pick 22 players on to play on, on that day. But I think what was, and as we can see, what Craig McRae's done really well, he's built that rapport and that connection with players. And you can see it, it's evident. And the fun and the joy. Like we say to our guys and our team, our staff, it is very similar to business and sport. Like you've got to have fun along the way. And I think what we've tried to instill is that if you don't have fun along the way, you don't enjoy yourself, it can be a really hard time.
0: Well, I think you've answered my next question. My question was can you share any specific strategies or techniques you've implemented in your business that you believe are directly inspired by your time as an AFL player? And I think obviously taking that celebrating success, celebrating achievements, making it fun, which is, I guess, was done in your AFL career and your coaches and the teams. And you were saying Brisbane wasn't that great. They had to try to make a fun environment. And I don't know how good Collingwood were back then either. Were they they doing well then? I can't remember.
1: When I got to the club, I think, the club had just 14, 15 missed finals at the time, but it's like anything. It's it's trying to instill a culture and environment where in a business sense, myself and Lee will look to get our hands dirty at times. Because if you see your leader or your coach try to get on a level and understand what you're going through as well, it does provide a sense of comfort. So culture is critical. Culture and you know a positive environment is huge. It's people, it's human nature. and the reality is if you're unable to connect with your people or your staff to get the best out of them and for them to want to be able to give the best they possibly can, like I said, you're not going to extract everything out of them. And essentially that then impacts your business and the results and the outcomes that you're trying to achieve.
0: Now we're going to change it up a little bit. Our last lot of questions is what we call our quick fire round. Yep. So I've got three questions. So real quick, so you are got to fire them our way. Favourite pre-game
1: ritual as an athlete? I had three rotational pairs of undies, so I wouldn't <laughs> wear... So, I'd wear one colour, one game, the next colour, the next game, the next game, and then I'd rotate and just keep going throughout
0: that was your the show. whole season. I love <laughs> that. that. The, whole
1: se- the whole season. The best piece of advice you ever received? Just to summarise what we've gone through, I think happiness, I guess, underpins my approach in life and kindness and humility. So what you put out and the energy you put out to people and different situations, it will come back in one way. And I think that has been my sort of approach to life moving forward is that being kind, being humble is something that, you know, don't take for granted because things will come back around.
0: This might be a crossover again, but top three values you prioritise in both sports and business?
1: Sport and business. So I would say commitment. So commitment's critical. I think respect, because when I say respect, I think respecting the position that you're in and the people around you as well. So not taking that for granted. Look, Patrick, thank you so much for
0: sharing your experience with our listeners. I'm sure it's going to be a really engaging episode. I was really excited to interview you today. And thank you for joining us on The Bottom Line.
1: No, thank you very much for having me. This is The
0: Bottom Line a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. This podcast was produced by accountancy firm Alexander Spencer. At Alexander Spencer, we've been helping business owners realise their goals since 1952. And we play a pivotal role in developing, implementing and supervising the business goals and strategies of our clients. To find out how we can help your business succeed, head to our website, alexanderspencer.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Bottom Line, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Savan Tuna, and we'll be back next episode with more tips to help you transform your business. And that's The Bottom Line.